This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa man walah. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We thank Him for everything that He has bestowed upon us. We send blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his entire household, all his companions. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless every single one of them. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless every single one of us as well. And to grant us forgiveness. Allahumma inna ka'afuun tuhibbul afwa fa'afu anna. O Allah, you are most forgiving. You love to forgive. So forgive us all. Ameen. My brothers and sisters, yesterday we ended with the accusation leveled against the pure and the clean of all the women, Aisha radiallahu anha. And we made mention of how a great man known as Safwan ibn al-Mu'attal radiallahu anhu, who was a companion of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was accused with Aisha radiallahu anha. And as a result, after a month, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cleared her name, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verse number 11 of Surah An-Nur, and another 10 verses And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarified that Aisha radiallahu anha was indeed clean and very, very innocent of the accusation. Similarly, there are rules and regulations pertaining to accusations that are leveled against others. We spoke about some of these yesterday. And this evening, inshallah, we'd like to take a look at the categories of people who had been uh, involved in this particular issue regarding Aisha radiallahu anha. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention quite clearly of the fact that it was up to the believers to deny the accusation immediately. It was up to the believers to refuse that this was the truth. It was up to the believers to ensure that this statement was not uttered by their mouths. It is impossible for us if we truly are concerned about how we will be answering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment to actually come out and say words that we don't have knowledge regarding. If you and I are worried about the answerability with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how can we say something against someone or spread an accusation that we know we don't have evidence regarding? We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the strength. And this is why in Tafsir al-Tabari, there is a narration of Urwah who narrates from Aisha radiallahu anha, and she says that Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu anha, He was one of those whom when his wife asked him a question, did you hear the accusations being leveled against Aisha radiallahu anha and the stories that are floating around in Medina Munawwara? He immediately said, we as believers are not meant to be messing our mouths with such statements. Definitely, it is a clear manifest falsehood. It is absolutely unacceptable. So Allah makes mention of this. And in another narration, which is muttafaqun alayhi. In fact, it is a narration regarding Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu anhu as well, found in the books of Tafsir, that he asked his wife a simple question. And that is, is it possible for you to do something of this nature? She said, definitely not. So he says, well, Aisha radiallahu anha is better than you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verse number 12. لولا إذ سمعتموه ظن المؤمنون والمؤمنات بأنفسهم خيرا وقالوا هذا إفك مبين 
Why is it that when you hear such a rumor that the believers, they think good about themselves and immediately they utter that this is an open, clear fabrication. It's a lie. This is what a believer should be doing. Making mention of what Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu anhu did and what the others should have done. They should have followed suit. They should have actually followed his example. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, verse number 16, وَلَوْلَا إِذْ سَمِعْتُمُوهُ قُلْتُمْ مَا يَكُونُ لَنَا أَن نَتَكَلَّمَ بِهَذَا سُبْحَانَكَ هَذَا بُهْتَانٌ عَظِيمٌ Why is it that when you, when you heard it, you did not say that we are not meant to be spoiling our mouths, uttering such dirty words. Indeed, this is a manifest, a clear, great slander. It is a slander. So this was confirming what Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu anhu said. May Allah's peace and blessings be upon all the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And it is teaching us a lesson that whenever you hear a rumor, what is your duty as a Muslim? To negate it immediately. You are not the Lord of that person. That person is answerable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Did they steal or take something from you? If that is the case, you may seek justice. If not, make dua for them. Leave it in the hands of Allah. If you'd like to guide someone, you may do so. But you do not spread rumor, accusation without proper evidence that is acceptable in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of that category of people who refused to even talk about it. The first category we spoke about yesterday, that of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, the one who created the fabrication. And Allah says, The one who has created the fabrication, the one who has borne the brunt of the entire fabrication, he will indeed face or earn severe punishment, a great punishment. So those are the two categories. One, those who refuse to talk. Two, those who created the tale. But then there's a category in between. And this is where you and I get caught up. Allah says, verse number 15. Indeed, when you receive the news with your tongues, do you know what is meant by receiving news with your tongue? Normally we receive news with our ears. When you relate whatever you get immediately, it's as though you received it with your tongue rather than with your ears. You got it and it's forwarded. Have you noticed it? Before you've read the whole message, you just read one or two lines and the next thing is forwarded to all your contacts. And nowadays we have a hundred people, if not two hundred in one little group. It's so easy to mess ourselves. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. May He strengthen us. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from dirtying our mouths, our tongues, our hearts, our minds. May Allah grant us purity and cleanliness. So Allah says, when you receive the news with your tongues and you utter with your mouths which you do not know and you think it's something light, but in the eyes of Allah, it is extremely big. It is something serious. So Allah says, mankind takes some of these accusations as very light. It's only a small accusation. So what? What did I do? I just, I just said this might have happened. Allah says, in your eyes, it's small. In our eyes, it is something massive. وَهُوَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ عَظِيمٌ 
in the eyes of Allah, it is a huge accusation. So be careful. My brothers and sisters, sometimes a person suffers because of our accusations. We consider it small and minor. Allah knows and they know how much they have suffered because of a little utterance that has come out of your mouth. Perhaps like we said yesterday, your world may be turned upside down and you won't know that it was because of a little utterance from your mouth. Be careful how you speak and be careful what you say about others. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us protection. Verse number 19, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues. And remember these verses came down one after the other. All have the same reason of revelation. It was the incident of the accusation of Aisha radiallahu anha. So Allah says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُحِبُّونَ أَن تَشِيعَ الْفَاحِشَةُ فِي الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Indeed, those who love to spread immorality among the believers and those who love to spread stories of immorality among the believers shall face a severe punishment in this world and the next. For indeed, Allah knows and you do not know. What does this mean? Stories of immorality. You have a tale. True or false is besides the point. But we are believers. You see something that is immoral. Something regarding adultery, fornication, nudity, something regarding immodesty. It is not the quality of a believer to spread that tale. It is not the quality of the believer to tell everyone else. Today, let's face facts. A lot of us are guilty. A lot of us are guilty of passing around dirty jokes, dirty, immoral, what we would term below the belt jokes. And we think it's just a laugh. You don't realize you're a true believer. It's not a true believer's quality to forward such jokes, to forward such video clips, to forward such messages. It's become so easy to mess ourselves. And I'm using this term because literally we become people who are clogged with that which is unacceptable. Where then will we have space for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You know, your brain has a capacity. Say for example, terabytes, gigabytes, whatever you want to say. The more you pack it up with images, with videos, and remember videos take up a lot of space. You know that. <laughs> images take up a lot of space. They occupy your mind. Your processing speed becomes slow. You come in salah, Allahu Akbar. Before you realize you're in salah, it's already assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Why? Because your mind is filled with pornography, dirty stories, bad tales. Things that are true, things that are false about people. What do you have to do with how the other person committed adultery? This is why sometimes it becomes dangerous to read these stories even in the media. We don't need to know the detail of how someone raped another person, how someone committed adultery with another person. All it does is it contaminates the mind. And this is why as mu'mineen we believe it is not befitting for us even to relate to others how the robber has stolen because sometimes the weak-minded will use that as a learning procedure in order to know how to steal. All I had to do was to read the Sunday Times. It gives me the details of how the bank robbery happened. Now I just need to scratch my head and say, right, I know what to do. May Allah forgive us. If this is the case, then obviously we as believers should understand, keep your mind fresh. Keep it empty of these type of stories. Ask Allah's forgiveness. Keep it filled with beautiful stories of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. Stories of goodness, stories of piety, stories of loving people, stories of how people solve problems, how they repented to Allah rather than stories of sin.
Look at what Allah says. Those who love to spread such stories amongst the believers, for them will be a severe punishment in this world and then the next. What did I say moments ago? Our lives are being turned upside down. We are struggling and suffering. We have everything material, but we don't have contentment. Perhaps it's because we are engaging in some of these deeds and we don't even realize. May Allah forgive us. My brothers and sisters, reality check. This beautiful eve of the month of Ramadan. A few nights remaining. Do you believe we just commenced the other day and we are already almost at the end of Ramadan, subhanallah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to open our doors and to grant us goodness. And we ask Allah to help us not to relate tales that are full of immorality. My brothers and sisters, I plead with you to think very carefully before you forward anything that someone has sent you on your mobile phone, be it on WhatsApp, on Twitter, on Facebook, on any other platform you have. Think very, very hard. Will this message help you in the relation with you have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or not? If it's going to help you and assist you, forward it. If not, the best help you would be able to achieve is to delete it for the sake of Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala strengthen us. Go back to your phones this evening and check in the phone images that are unacceptable, messages unacceptable, videos unacceptable. Find it in your heart to delete it. It would be one of the biggest acts of worship for Laylatul Qadr that you could engage in besides those that are taught by Muhammad Because we are cleaning ourselves, we are cleansing the history. We are taking things out and we won't accept that again. Someone sends you a message, tell them, not me. Do you have the guts to do that for the sake of Allah? Or are you just going to have a laugh and say, okay, let's all have a laugh. My brothers and sisters, that's the contamination of the mind. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us become pure. This is Surah An-Nur. I said it yesterday. I repeat it today. When you have the modesty, the cleanliness, the chastity, the clarity of mind and soul and heart, you will achieve a nur on the day of judgment, a light. That will be unmatched. May Allah grant that to us in this world as well as the next. We have a hadith muttafaqun alayhi also reported by Aisha radiallahu anha teaching us something very, very powerful, very important. You know when someone does bad against you, you obviously would, the minimum is any good that you were doing to that person would stop. Let me give you an example. Say there is a poor person that you are helping every week or every month with food, with a ration, with something for the sake of Allah. And then that same poor person happens to utter bad words about you. And it's confirmed. It's not just a rumor. They speak very bad about you. They said the worst possible things about you. What would you do? Minimum is you would stop giving them the rations. You would stop giving them the amount. You would stop donating to them. Because you would say, let me donate to a better person. Let me give to someone else. Not someone who's stabbing me. I keep on giving them. So Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu used to spend on a man known as Mistah ibn Athatha. He was related to Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. He was one of those who participated in the battle of Badr as well. And he was one of those whose tongues were spoiled by the accusation. He did not create the tale. He may not have believed it as well. But all he did was he spread it. He just spoke to others. Hey, did you hear what people are saying about Aisha? They said, no. He said, this is what they're saying. Did you hear what people are saying about Aisha? They said, no. He said, this is what they're saying. And he just spread the tale. You see, some of us won't even consider that a crime. Do you know that? All I'm doing is I'm just saying what people are saying. I didn't say it's true or false. That is a crime. Why contaminate the minds of the people regarding something you don't even know is true or false? Keep quiet and let them have a good idea of the person or the people. Why do you want to say something you don't even know, true or false? This is a Muslim. This is Islam. Look at the purity. Look at the level we've gone to. 
and so high we are supposed to be upon. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. So Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu heard this. People told him, the mother of Mistah ibn Athatha radiallahu anha, we heard yesterday, she told Aisha radiallahu anha, this is what my son is saying about you. And so Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu then decides, you know what, I'm spending money on him, I'm giving him money. He is one of the muhajireen who came, he did the hijrah from Mecca, he's a poor person, he's a relative. But I swear by Allah, I'm never going to spend money on this man again. Now you and I know, is that actually wrong? It's up to him what he wants to do with his money. It's up to you who you want to give your money to. You want to donate a man speaking bad, you don't need to give him anymore. It's up to you, it's not sinful to stop. But guess what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses directed to Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. And the lesson is for every one of us. Verse number 22 of Surah An-Nur. Listen to the beauty of the verse. وَلَا يَأْتَلِ أُنُوا الْفَضْلِ مِنْكُمْ وَالسَّعَةِ أَنْ يُؤْتُوا لِلْقُرْبَةِ وَالْمَسَاكِينَ وَالْمُهَاجِرِينَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَالْيَعْفُوا وَالْيَصْفَحُوا أَلَا تُحِبُّونَ أَنْ يَغْفِرَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورٌ those with virtue and those with wealth should not take an oath by Allah that they will not spend upon their relatives and the poor and those who have made hijrah. Rather, they should forgive and forget. They should forgive and embrace. Don't they want Allah to forgive them? Don't you want Allah to forgive you? Indeed, Allah is most forgiving, most merciful. So Allah is telling Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, I gave you wealth, I gave you virtue. Don't make an oath that you're not going to spend on him. Give him, it's okay. Allah will clarify, Allah will purify. Look, the name of Aisha radiallahu anha to this day is pure and clean by the Quran revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't have a speck of doubt in that regard. So it hasn't harmed or tarnished her image. Those who try to accuse her or speak bad about her, they are spoiling their own image. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a lesson. So here Allah is saying, we all have committed sin. We all require the forgiveness of Allah. If you forgive someone else, the chances of Allah forgiving you are far greater. It's not an easy one. It's not an easy one. People have wronged you. They've harmed you. Every one of us, myself included, people have wronged us. They have harmed us. They have done things bad. Perhaps they have spread rumor, perhaps slander, whatever it is. We are human. It has to happen. So Allah says, you want Allah to forgive you? Well, learn to forgive others. That's a heavy one. It's a heavy one. But believe me, if you engage in it, you will arrive at a level of contentment never ever tasted by yourself before. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all forgiveness. May He help us to have big hearts so that we can forgive. Don't take advantage of it. Don't go back tonight and say, did you hear? You better keep on forgiving me. So if I keep on stealing from you, it's okay. That's not what we are teaching. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to abstain from harming others. It's not a blanket. It's not a, a green light to, to, for us to wrong someone and keep on wronging them and say, here's the verse of the Quran, forgive me. And you do it again. Here's the verse of the Quran, forgive me. And you do it again. By that time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. A person becomes unrepentant. Unrepentant. When you are repentant, you try your best not to do it again. 
We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. What a beautiful lesson. I always am inspired by how Allah beautifully reminds Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu to say, you know what? وَلْيَعْفُ وَلْيَصْفَحُ أَلَا تُحِبُّونَ أَنْ يَغْفِرَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ Do you not want Allah to forgive you? Well then, know that Allah is most forgiving, most merciful. So if you find it in your heart to let go of the sins others have committed against you, Allah will definitely let go of the sins you have committed against Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, by His mercy, by His qudra. And this is the verse where He promises that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. Then we have a, a story reported in Tafsir al-Tabari, narrated by Adi ibn Thabit. He says there was a woman from among the Ansar who came to Muhammad sallallahu with a major complaint, according to her. Now before I say the complaint, it affects a lot of us. You know, we have our houses, and in the houses we have our rooms. A lot of us have a room. And especially once you get married, you have your own room initially. Perhaps when you grow a little bit older, perhaps more financially stable, you will have your own home, inshallah. It might start off as a cottage at the back, and later on it might be an apartment somewhere. And after that, it will be a beautiful bungalow in one of the beautiful estates surrounding Midrand, mashallah. <laughs> but what happens is, as you are growing, and you are growing older... You find people trample on your privacy. And that is something that hurts people a lot. You know, a married couple, and you find mother-in-law walking into the room every little while. For what? It's not your room, my beloved mother. Allahu Akbar. It's no longer your room. You want to enter here, you knock. If I say no, don't feel bad. Go back and say, subhanallah. Someone's exercised their right. Alhamdulillah. You need privacy. Privacy is something that is a right given to every one of us who are adults by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your cupboard is yours. Nobody, not even your father, your mother is allowed to actually open it at a certain stage. Once you've achieved puberty and you are a responsible adult, that's it, it's yours. They want to open something, they need to knock, they need to ask you permission. Then they will do it because it's now between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah open our doors. So this woman says, O Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I am in my part of the house. Now remember that time when they say the house, it's not a huge, you know, bungalow, like I said a few moments ago, but it's a room. It's called hujra. It's, it's a room. The loo and the bathroom is actually a distance from the enclosure. It's somewhere far away. They used to walk through the desert sometimes to get to the toilet. With us, the toilet is right next to the bed. May Allah forgive us. It's called ensuite. I wonder why. So my brothers and sisters, the woman is complaining. She says, you know what? I'm in my room and I'm dressed in a way that I wouldn't like people to see me, not even my father or my son. And you know, these people walk in and they come like it's their own property and they want to walk in and I'm not even appropriately dressed. Don't we have some form of privacy? Isn't there supposed to be something that protects us? What a beautiful question. This complaint, people have it to this day. And sometimes you think, I'm the owner of the house, I'm allowed to do anything. No way. If someone lives in that home and you've allowed them to live in the home, it doesn't mean that you have full access to everywhere. Give them their privacy. Even though you may own the home, if you want them to vacate, inform them, give them some notice. But you don't just go in, barge in as though I'm the boss, I'm the owner, I can do what I want. No way. If you're a mu'min and you believe in Allah, you give the people their due right. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, obviously, this woman came complaining to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the verses were revealed, the following verses. Verse number 27 of Surah An-Nur. Beautiful. 
يا ايها الذين امنوا لا تدخلوا بيوتا غير بيوتكم حتى تستانسوا وتسلموا على اهلها او يو هو بيليف دو نوت انتر ذا هاوسز ذات ار نوت يورز انتل يو سيك بيرميشن اند يو غريت ذا انهابيتنتس اوف ذا هوم اي نيد تو نوك اون ذا دور السلام عليكم اند اي ويل بي تولد دو يو نو وات اي ويل بي تولد تو انتر او Did you know in Islam someone can tell you don't come in please can you go away that is right the Quran says wa in qila lakum urji'u farji'u huwa azka lakum and if you are told to go away go away it's better for you try telling someone go away i think it will be headlines in the paper the following day may allah forgive us today we don't acknowledge the rights of people really you phone someone they have a right to answer it or not May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. You knock on the door, they have a right to tell you, listen, I'm busy. Please come back later. And what irritates is today we have technology of perhaps the highest level. We cannot be decent enough to phone, to make a little appointment to say, look, I'm planning on coming to your house at 3.30. Is it okay? They will just say, okay. So you'd rather before embarking on the journey, just get the clearance and the go ahead. The problem with us, we pitch up at the time of supper by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then they say, come and eat. No, 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 I don't want. But your intention was to join in the meal, isn't it? May Allah forgive us. Let that hypocrisy not creep in my brothers and sisters. Let's understand. Allah will ask us how we use technology. This technology needs to be used in a beautiful way. Let them know. Ask them. If they tell you, listen, not 3.30, come tomorrow. You might tell them, I'm busy tomorrow. Well, then the next day. And you will make a plan. That's a mu'min. That's a believer. Don't feel bad if someone doesn't have the time. Imagine. And I want to tell you this because I've seen it in my own life. You know, when someone comes or when you go to someone's house and they were planning an outing to the lake and you pitch up at 11 o'clock in the morning and you want to sit for lunch and they were planning a picnic elsewhere, they are cursing you for as long as you're sitting there. Do you know that? <laughs> I remember when I was young, I went with my mother to a certain house, a true story. And I saw on the door a sticker. And the sticker said, we are very happy upon your arrival, but we will be even happier when you depart. <laughs> I was shocked. I told my mother this and she said, let's go home. <laughs> and the auntie was swearing that it was just a joke. And my mother says, you don't joke like that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. My brothers and sisters, this is just the etiquette. The etiquette that we are supposed to be following. Allah says, don't enter a house that's not yours. Knock on it once. Wait. Knock twice, wait again. Knock thrice, still no response. Turn around and walk away. Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us in every single way. Amen. Then Ibn Abi Hatim makes mention of a narration where when this verse was revealed not to enter the homes, Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu asks Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, You know, I, or we travel from Mecca, Medina, we go to Asham, and on the way there are certain houses that are In uninhabited nobody lives in these houses what about those houses if we knock on those houses there's no one in it if we greet there's no one there so what should we do regarding the houses that no one is living in sometimes there's a warehouse or a little uh, you know they call it a rest house on the path at in those days they just used to have little rooms and anyone was welcome to make use of it so you would go there perhaps you would open up make sure there's no one in there and then you would make use of it to rest for a few hours perhaps so abu bakr as-siddiq radiyallahu anhu asks muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam this question so verse number 29 was revealed as a clarification 
ليس عليكم جناح أن تدخلوا بيوتا غير مسكونة فيها متاع لكم. There is no harm for you to enter a home that is uninhabited. No one stays there. If there is something of yours in there, say for example, you left some of your belongings on the way, on the path, and you know you were allowed to do that, and you know that you have access or allowed entry into the place, then you don't have to knock and wait because you know there's no one there and you know the property is yours. You are not trampling upon the right of someone. Rather, you are exercising your own right. So this was quite a beautiful clarification uh, delivered on this particular occasion and the lesson is for every single one of us. Ibn Abi Hatim also makes mention of a narration whereby, and we've spoken about this when we were dealing with Surah An-Nisa earlier, where at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there were some hypocrites who used to, whenever they had a, uh, an issue or whenever they had a dispute with someone, they used to study the dispute and they used to ask themselves, if I go to Muhammad ﷺ, he's going to now issue a decree according to the Quran and the Sunnah, obviously meaning according to the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, will I gain anything? If the answer was yes, they were quick to go. If the answer was no, they opted to go to the fortune tellers and the others from among the people of other faiths. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exposes such people. One of the verses exposing these people, verse number 48 of Surah An-Nur and the following verses. Allah says, وَإِذَا دُعُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ لِيَحْكُمَ بَيْنَهُمْ إِذَا فَرِيقٌ مِّنْهُمْ مُعْرِضُونَ وَإِنْ يَكُنْ لَهُمُ الْحَقُّ يَأْتُوا إِلَيْهِ مُذْعِنِينَ When they are called in order to solve their matters according to the Sharia, then they, a group from amongst them turns away. But if they find that they are gaining something by doing that, they are the first to go and the first to make sure that they get the right. I think this seeps into our lives as well. Sometimes we're... People, when they've got a problem, financial problem, family problem, marital issue, or any other issue, the weakness is, we are Muslimin, we want to sort it out according to the Sharia, yes. But the minute you find out Sharia is going to give custody to the man or the, 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 the wife, we are quick to say, no, I prefer to go to the court. Let's, let's understand. You want to adopt the Sharia, you want to adopt Islam, well then you better adopt it if you call yourself a Muslim, you are a person who surrenders to Allah. Don't look at what? whether you are gaining or not in order to decide whether you will be going to Muhammad for the solution or you are going to the shaitan for the solution. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us and may he open our doors. The last point of this surah, surah An-Nur, verse number 63, is a verse that teaches us the respect of Muhammad and in turn, the respect of those who are older than us, the respect of those who are knowledgeable, the respect of those who have taught us a thing or two, the respect of those who are senior citizens and so on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And this is a narration mentioned by Abu Nu'aym, narration of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. He says that some of the people used to address Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa as though they were addressing one another. You know, you call someone first name. They call someone by the first name. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells them, don't address Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa as though he is one of you. You need to address him with respect. What is the respect? You say, Rasul Allah or Nabi Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So instead of saying his first name, you would say, Ya Rasul Allah, Ya Nabi Allah. So the Sahaba radiallahu anhum were taught this and that is what they used to say. 
Those are the terms they used to use, that of respect. And like I said, for us in our lives, let's learn to respect those who are older than us, our parents, those who are senior citizens, those who are knowledgeable, those who have helped us, those who have taught us, our teachers, and so on. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us to respect those who have been given this respect by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this verse, number 63, Allah says, لا تجعلوا دعاء الرسول بينكم كدعاء بعضكم بعضا Do not make the calling of the Prophet ﷺ similar to the calling of one of you to another. There needs to be a distinguishing factor. I think I've just explained this. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to benefit us all and to grant us goodness until we meet again tomorrow. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallah bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.